Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by host Michelle Andrews, that would be me, Zara McDonald, that would be you, and of course, our producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hi. Coming up on today's show, the messiest social media breakup we've seen in, well, just about ever. Then Ariana Grande gets married, our thoughts on that Craig McLaughlin interview, And finally, the Chrissy Teigen bullying claims that are so bad they could be career ending. But first, Sarah McDonald, how was your week? Good week, my friends. Not a bad week at all. I did have one small hiccup from the week, which is that (laughs) all of my Uber Eats orders are forwarded to Michelle's fucking email address and I have no element of privacy. It was quite enjoyable actually. Last night I was sitting there at my mum's house eating dinner and it just came up as your order from Guzman and Gomez has arrived. And I messaged Zara being like, nice Mexican? I don't know what's happened and I don't know why they're going to the email address that you have access to. It's a joint email address, I should say. But I was like, home alone last night. I was relishing my own space. Like you're absolutely in the most private space you can. Like you're ordering whatever you want. You're watching whatever you want. You're doing whatever you want. And to have someone kind of intrude on that space by having my email alerts for Uber Eats is is a lot to handle. Uber is an incredibly personal thing, Uber Eats. It's quite exposing, particularly when you're ordering dessert on a Saturday night. I was out at a bar and I looked at my phone and what did you get? You got like Nutella smothered something. Thing. And I was looking at me like wild Saturday night for Zara the McDonald. Shame, honestly, the shame. It actually is one of the most exposing things in the world. But beyond that, I had a pretty good week. I just need to work out how to change my stupid settings. <laughs> I do have a recommendation this week. It's funny because this one rolls right off my recommendation from last week. Last week, our listeners might remember that I recommended an episode of The Daily called The Shrinking Society in Japan, and we had a little bit of a conversation ourselves about being of an age where you don't feel quite ready to have children. The morning our episode went live on Thursday, the Cuts podcast episode went live as well and their podcast episode was titled, How Do I Know If I Want Kids? There is something in the water. Super something in the water. I don't think that makes Super. any sense. <laughs> Super. <laughs> I don't think that makes any sense at all. So as I said in the podcast last week, like I'm pretty sure I want children. It is just a very interesting conversation to listen to someone like the host of the Cuts podcast podcast go back and forth being like yeah I think my gut 
heart says yes, but I'm just like not all in yet. Mm. And she talks to the host of the podcast, Death, Sex and Money. She talks to people who have had kids, people who haven't. And it's a really interesting listen, just given the conversation that we had last week. So if you were interested in the conversation we had last week, I would very much recommend this as a follow up listen. Yeah. And thank you to all the listeners who reached out to us about this. We got, I would say, about a thousand DMs to our personal accounts, to the shameless Instagram account. And it was really fascinating hearing from a lot of you. If I was to sum up those 1,000 DMs in a soundbite, it would be, kids are really fucking hard, but I'm glad I did it. Yeah, you'll never be more fucking tired in your life and you'll never go through anything harder, but it will be so (laughs) worth it. And I'm like, this doesn't help. It's still confusing. Anyway, how was your week? Well, the story from my week is one that involves you, Sarah McDonald as well. I did actually politely give you this story to tell. It's pretty funny. Annabelle, you haven't heard this story. We've been saving this because we didn't want to tell you off mic. Mm -hmm. We wanted it to be an on mic moment. Give it to me. Last week... Zara and I were in a certain building in Melbourne and we were waiting for a lift to go to the bottom floor. And as we were... (laughs) It was one of the worst moments of my life. When I tell you every cell in my body wanted to evaporate on the spot, (laughs) please believe me. So we're waiting for a lift and I was the one to turn around and see that someone else was walking towards the lift. I look at that someone and that someone is a prominent celebrity that Zara and I have spoken about at length on this podcast recently. And he's walking towards us and he shared a lift with us and we had to make conversation with him for how long, Zara? It it felt like 30 years. It was probably 30 seconds. It felt like 30 years. And I remember... He was definitely trying to place us. <laughs> and I was sitting there being like, don't open your mouth, don't expose your voice. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But when you're feeling awkward, when you're getting locked in a lift with the one person you just don't want to be locked in a lift with. <laughs> the tricky thing about this is, is that we never try and, I guess, shit post about anyone. Fuck we never no. try and go for anyone personally. But naturally, when you're talking about people's careers or people's time in the spotlight, you will share things or reshare things that they might not want to be in the public domain. So it's naturally so awkward, even if you try to be, to be so fair. diplomatic and yeah. so fair as physically possible. It was my least favourite moment of 2021, <laughs> easily, maybe of the decade. Zara and I were traumatised. We literally got back in the car and we didn't even know what to do with ourselves. We were just sitting there being like, Fuck! <laughs> Did you wait a while before you spoke about it? Yeah, you walk yeah. down a hallway. <laughs> you know, you do that thing where either you leave a bad meeting or you leave a bad conversation. You're both walking away, but you're waiting to get yeah. long enough away. So you're both just dead silent until you know the coast is clear. <laughs> yeah. It was that. Right. I didn't know how to form words for like a good 10 minutes afterwards. It was traumatic. Anyway, that was our week. It was pretty funny. Any recommendations this week? I have a recommendation and it is a somber one, but I still really, really back it. It's a podcast episode from ABC conversations called How a Doctor's Suicide Broke the Silence. It's an interview with a woman who lost her husband, a gastroenterologist, to suicide. And I just think it's a really bloody important conversation, not just when it comes to mental health and mental illness in the healthcare sector, but when it comes to mental illness across the board generally and suicide stigma as well. It was such a moving conversation. I listened to it on my way to work this morning and you called me, Sarah, halfway through and I had tears in my eyes and I was trying to like, I saw you calling. I was like, 
compose yourself before you pick this up. <laughs> Otherwise, the first time she hears you today, you're going to be crying. But absolutely gorgeous conversation. I think it was done so, so well by the interviewer, Sarah. It was just remarkable. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, we haven't recommended an episode of ABC Conversations in a long time, but mm. I think it will be one of my longstanding favourite podcasts. Even though I don't dip in all the time and don't listen to every episode, I just find if it's Sarah or if it's Richard doing the interviews, they're so calm mm. in their demeanour and they're so well-researched. So anything they attack is always going to be great. It feels special. Like it yes. feels like a really good piece of journalism. It feels like the gold standard for interviewing for mine in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't checked that out, definitely do. But for now, Mish, we are going to the messiest social media breakup we have seen in some time. And it's from a math star, I think. <laughs> I say this because Michelle has demanded we do this story. And she's like, you just asked me all the questions. Guys, life is tough and I needed some sugar. So I advocated for the sugariest story I could find this week. And before we say anything, let me give a quick hat tip to the team at the So Dramatic podcast because they have truly uncovered so much of this story and done God's work this week. Now, would you like me to set the scene? Yeah, who are we looking at today? All right, so we have a math star at the centre of this story. That's Married at First Sight for those of you who might be listening internationally, our biggest reality show in Australia. Jake Edwards. Oh, the Bachelor's crying. The Bachelor has nothing on maths anymore. I'm pretty sure pretty sure maths gets like three times the number of viewers every night. Right. So Jake Edwards was on the most recent series of maths. He was renowned as like the hot one on the show. Everyone loved him because he's a very attractive guy, used to play AFL, was kind of in headlines at the beginning of the season for not great reasons. His ex-fiance came out and revealed that actually weeks before their wedding, their real life wedding, not their televised wedding, last year he had cheated on her and that's how he found himself single and that's how he found himself applying for maths. Quick sidebar because I do remember the Jake Edwards story and the ex coming out and saying that he cheated on her. Wasn't the reason that this made headlines because she went back and retrospectively changed her Instagram captions? Yes. Oh, Do you yeah, remember this story? So I'm pretty sure she changed like her Instagram captions so if it was a photo of them at like a wedding or something, the caption would be love and then she would just write edit deceit (laughs) it's such a power play like absolutely iconic yeah I went to re-look at those captions to relive the glory and she has put her profile on private but if you google her name and you google like cheating headlines a lot of the (laughs) screenshots come up on google images so please enjoy their wonderful and remarkable yeah they are pretty good (laughs) right so we've got Jake Edwards he was paired on the show with Beck Zemek who was kind of renowned as like a maths villain for a little bit They didn't last. During the show, Beck was outed as cheating on Jake. Great. (laughs) So not wonderful. But when the show wrapped, it was revealed that Jake had already moved on. So in between filming, wrapping, him breaking up with Beck, he had found love with another woman. Who is that other woman, you ask? So glad you asked, Sarah McDonald. (laughs) Great question, Just sitting here with my cup of tea. (laughs) The other woman is Instagram fitness influencer Sophie Gwidolin, who has 500,000 Instagram followers. Tell me that I've set the scene for a juicy story. I mean, sure. (laughs) I mean, go for it. Go for it. So we're on the Gold Coast. Sophie and Jake have fallen madly in love. How do we know this? We know this because they both did an interview on Sophie's podcast, Flourish and Fulfilled, 
in late April, one month ago. Oh no, I can. I actually know where this is going. Also because you've already publicly told me. <laughs> like I'm pretending to play the dumb thing here. I know exactly what happens on Flourished and Fulfilled. So the episode was titled The Man Who Has Flipped My World Upside Down, where they both confirmed the rumours. I mean, there were like paparazzi shots going around of them walking hand in hand. People had seen them out in bars. And yes, they got on this podcast and confirmed we are actually together. We're madly in love. So they'd only really been publicly dating. And sorry for the spoiler alert but we did lead this with the messiest breakup ever mm. for about a month or two publicly yeah they were first linked i believe in march this episode was released in april so not together very long yet very very much together so this podcast episode seems to play quite a role in this breakup because it's where i imagine they whisper sweet nothings to each other <laughs> over the mics yeah would you like to hear some of the sweet nothings <laughs> I would sure. love to. what is a sweet nothing <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i was traumatized <laughs> My first quote, this was from Jake. In the past, I've thought I was in love. I said I was in love. But when I met you, I realised I have not been in love. It is a feeling I've never experienced before. I knew straight away I'm going to be with you forever. By the way, if you're engaged to someone and then you break their heart, a year ago. Not great to get on a podcast and say that you've never loved anyone and actually that was nothing to you. Yeah, it's a bit rough, isn't it? It's rough. Anyway, Sophie countered by saying, Jake ignited something that I have never had in my life, despite the fact that she's been married twice. So very much the picture of this relationship is like, this love is so fierce and so powerful that simply nothing we've ever experienced before could possibly compare to it. It was also revealed, on top of all that, that Jake had gotten a tattoo of no, Sophie's name oh God. <laughs> on his body as a gift for her birthday. Should there be like a statute of limitations on how long you can be <laughs> with someone before you get a tattoo with their name? Well, someone needs to have this chat with Courtney and Travis Barker as well because she oh, also so got, I think he got her name on his body, which I don't know if it matters. He's so tattooed anyway that it's just like one of a hundred. But if they broke up and I... I started dating Travis Barker, my eyes would be going to the Courtney <laughs> tattoo. Like you'd know where it was in the body, you'd know about it. Thank God laser treatments exist. Anyway, so this was late April. Everyone was thinking, wow, these two are legit. They were literally already talking about marriage and babies and very much put the idea out there that these things would come about sooner rather than later. And then they break up. Then Sorry that I up. stole the line <laughs> from your mouth. Then they break up. So now it's been revealed the podcast episode has been taken down. Sophie has deleted all photos of Jake from her profiles. And by all accounts, this has ended quite messily. Yes. So I remember seeing a screenshot on Instagram where she replied to someone's comment confirming the breakup. And I feel like the line was quite brutal. Yeah, I've got the line. Of, of course, course I do. do. So the line was, his character and values certainly do not align with my own. And I wish him all the best to get the help he needs. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Annabelle's not happy with that one. Okay, the weirdest part about this story is suddenly radio host Mel Grieg enters the fold, right? It's not over here with this messy breakup. Yeah, so we have reality star, fitness influencer, radio host now. So it's the trifecta. <laughs> it's the trifecta. So Jake's best friend is radio host Mel Grieg. Don't know how they know each other. I think they know each other through radio or through the media industry. Not quite clear. Mel Grieg weighed in on the breakup and commented, I quote, that she was involved in the breakup because Sophie is not comfortable with Jake and I being friends and being in contact. She then continued, Jake won't be happy that I'm sharing this. Sorry, Jake, but I'm actually sick of seeing my friend smashed. So apparently at the heart of this breakup between Jake and Sophie is the fact that he was messaging other women. Sophie believes that was sus. 
Jake thinks it was only to platonic friends. Mel Grieg is backing up Jake. And they're all deciding to talk about this publicly. <laughs> yes, which also makes me think maybe you need a statute of limitations on both things. Like when you get into a relationship and you are both on social media, maybe just wait a month for the absolute passion, can't stop having sex with each other, obsessed with each other phase to die down a little bit so that you can actually see if there's longevity in it. Then announce it and be like a little bit more So you're more not chill. allowed to announce your relationship while you're in that honeymoon phase. Maybe announce it. Maybe don't go on a podcast and say you're going to get married and have lots of babies together and that you've never been in love before because nothing could possibly compare to this. Yeah, look, I don't really care if they say they want to have babies and get married. Like that's their own thing to quickly change their minds on. I do think it's particularly harsh to say that you've never been in love before when you've got a <laughs> yeah. whole string of exes who can hear that. And then when you break up, maybe don't respond in comments to people. <laughs> like it's just... It's all messy. Should we know any of this? Like, should yes. I Should I know any of this information? Of course we should. That's why we're telling the story. You like the story. You wanted to share the story. I love the story, but if I was best friends with any of the people involved in the story, my advice would be very, very different. And it would basically be, don't put this shit on social media. I also think a lot of the people involved in this have said, like, I'm a couple of wines deep, so I'm just going to say <laughs> what I want to say. And it's like, maybe yeah. don't do that. Phones need some kind of function where it's like you're three wines deep and you're not allowed to access Instagram anymore. <laughs> you're just not allowed. Coming up after the break, Ariana Grande is a bride. Our thoughts on that Craig McLaughlin interview. And finally, what we make of the Chrissy Teigen bullying claims. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle. Oh, she's thinking. <laughs> Michelle <laughs> wanted to die in a lift, Andrews. <laughs> yeah, that or stop stalking my overrates order to Andrews. <laughs> what have you got for me? My first story, Ariana Grande marries Dalton Gomez in private wedding ceremony. That is from E! News. A disclaimer before we jump into it. There are relatively few details around totally. about this wedding. I would die to see a photo of Ariana Grande as a bride and yet I don't think there are any out at the moment. I can so imagine her. I mean, yeah, you're right. At the time of recording, we don't have have any images or anything I can so imagine her going big like yes. as the wedding apparently was and the quote from sources was tiny and intimate but I can imagine her dress being big like mm. I just feel like she'd have like the big tulle skirt she would do that I don't even know the word for it people are going to cringe as I say this that like layered thing you know oh, yeah. that layered wedding dress <laughs> not just the tulle princess skirt she'd go something a little edgier she 100% would so a rep for the pop star did tell E! News that she married real estate broker Dalton Gomez in a very private wedding ceremony held at her Montecito California home last weekend I just want to have a moment for E! News's stand first in the article which said from a dangerous woman to a married woman <laughs> because those things simply must be mutually exclusive <laughs> Ariana is 27, Dalton is 25, and apparently they just crafted a guest list of very close family and friends. Interestingly, Mish, they only started hanging out last March. I mean, this does feel like a pretty new relationship, but I also think that's because she doesn't post or speak much about it. Yeah. So they started dating just as the coronavirus pandemic was taking hold of the world. And she went public in Justin Bieber's Stuck With You music video in May. Yeah. So he proposed to her five months ago. She announced the news to the world on December 20, 2020. I actually have pretty high hopes for this relationship. I feel like pop stars and celebrities 
are up against it when it comes to getting married. There's a lot of pressure. There are hurdles they have to jump so far as time constraints to actually spend with their partner or be in the same place as their partner because they're so often traveling. Something like this fills me with a bit of hope though because they've been so private and because yeah. it isn't this massive fairy tale affair that we're all actually being invited into, like the Kim K, Chris Humphreys saga that we covered on Scandal over the last two episodes. This is the antithesis to that. 100%. And I think the other thing about this is, yes, he does work in the luxury real estate market and he has for the last five years. He's not a celebrity. In mm. fact, just before she announced that they were dating, he put his Instagram profile on private. And this is just like such a niche thought that I've had for the last like three days. But I would love to know how many follower requests he has yes. sitting on his account. He almost wouldn't be able to go through them all. No, but you can't accept all, can't you? Yeah, but he uh, is he accepting any of them? Like, No, how? no, no, no. He's not. He's not That's at all. what I mean. But I'm like, what if you had, sorry, it's just like a, <laughs> a dumb sidebar, but what if you had like a legitimate friend trying to follow and you're trying to make your way through <laughs> three million follow requests? Poor Dalton. Maybe he can just follow his friends and then they can accept. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, actually, who cares? Hopefully that puts your mind at ease. <laughs> On to my second story, a backlash at Craig McLaughlin's Channel 7 interview. That is from news.com.au. A refresher for those who might have missed it or might not be fully across the story as much as they'd like to be. Craig McLaughlin is a 55-year-old Australian actor and performer. He's best known for his roles in Neighbours and Home and Away over the years, as well as starring in the Rocky Horror Show theatre production. Yeah, so in early January 2018, a joint investigation by Fairfax Media and the ABC did report that he had been accused of sexual harassment by several actresses that he had worked with during his career. He he was actually criminally charged but cleared. He was found not guilty on those and that should definitely be noted. And there's so much going on here. We will get to the interview in a second, but I think it's probably important just for context's sake to outline what's happened in the last couple of years. So yes, he was found not guilty at the end of 2020. What's really interesting about the magistrate's findings, and she, as they always do, released like a hundred page sort of statement about what she found during the course of the trial. She described McLaughlin's evidence as contrived and his emotions as, and I quote, not seeming genuine. She characterised the women who gave evidence as brave and honest witnesses. The allegations in this case with the Craig McLaughlin case back in 2020 had to be proved beyond reasonable doubt. They were actually operating under different consent laws that exist now. So the consent laws that they were actually operating under kind of put the focus on the defendant and said, okay, well, what did the defendant think at the time of these encounters? Did they genuinely think that the other person was consenting? That has since changed so that the focus isn't so much on the defendant, but that's what was happening at that time. So the magistrate did say, and I quote, were the current laws applicable? It is possible the result may have been different, but it simply wasn't. He was cleared of these charges. Yeah. So fast forward to Sunday night and Craig McLaughlin is doing a 90 minute television special on Channel 7. The name of the show, interestingly, was something very, very simple like Spotlight Craig McLaughlin. But when you actually watched this, which I did with my partner's family on Sunday, every scene or every ad break was kind of signposted with this weird scene of Channel 7 zooming into like a Broadway style sign that said horror show. So it was almost like they wanted to call it horror show, but knew that that would gain negative public attention. So changed it to just spotlight Craig McLaughlin. It was one of the most bizarre pieces of, I mean, I think they want to call it journalism, but it was like a theatre production how Channel 7 produced this. Yeah, it was like a Shakespearean movie-esque 
musical, interview, drama hybrid. Like we had imagery of Craig McLaughlin surfing in stormy waves. We in had the dark in the middle of the night. Yeah, we had close-ups of him performing theatre to us interspersed with interviews between him and his partner Vanessa Scammell who is a composer and quite successful in the musical theatre industry in her own right. It was bizarre. Like there was one scene where there was a camera in the corner of this quite blank room and Craig McLaughlin was performing to the camera. It was very theatrical, very over the top and I wonder if it was a smart move by Channel 7 to actually do this because all of the court stuff aside, all of the actual allegations aside, the actual television show was one of the weirdest pieces yeah. of television I think I've watched ever. I genuinely wonder what was going through their mind because we're talking about a very serious conversation here. Like mm. We're talking about allegations of sexual harassment that have been cleared. We're also talking about the concept of trial by media. Mm. We're talking about the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. Like We're talking about these very heavy things that are really important conversations for us to have, particularly in this post-Me Too era. And they decided to wrap it in some fucking weird musical almost. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like I totally understand that we need to have room for a conversation about innocent until proven and guilty. We need to have room for a conversation about trial by media. I think those are very important conversations, but they need to be had carefully totally. and cleverly. The way this TV show was done was not clever. <laughs> I don't know who the hell was involved with this, but I was like, you butchered a really good opportunity to have a very intelligent conversation here, a very thought-provoking conversation for all Australians, no matter where you sit on this particular case or no matter what your opinion of Craig McLaughlin is. They just absolutely butchered it. Yeah, it was so, so odd. So odd. I mean, there are many, many clips floating around at the time we're recording. This interview still will be up on 7 Plus if you want to check it out too. The timing of the interview was quite coincidental too because the day before the show aired, new allegations of harassment and bullying were levelled against Craig McLaughlin as revealed in a new court document. The document detailed fresh claims by three different actors across two different projects and it also alleged that McLaughlin bullied and intimidated Tim Madrin, who was a male actor. So McLaughlin's in the process of suing ABC, Fairfax and one actress for defamation over these reports in 2018. But I can't see this story getting any less messy given mm. what we saw on the weekend, given these new allegations that have come to light. Like it just feels like it's not going to end here. And I imagine that Craig McLaughlin and Vanessa Scammell kind of wanted to put the story to bed by doing this tell-all. Yeah, and I cannot wait to poll you guys in our Your Say Friday polls on our Instagram account at Shameless Podcast. Did you find this thought-provoking? Did you find it baffling? Where do you sit? I cannot wait to hear it. My third story, the D'Amelio Show teaser. TikTok star. Charlie D'Amelio and family take centre stage in Hulu reality series. That is from Deadline. Zara, you and I watched the trailer for this before we jumped on to record. Give me your thoughts. Right. So <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued. I mean, we're talking about the first family of TikTok. I don't know if they... Don't parrot that. That is such a line from the PR I team behind say, this show. I don't know if they've dubbed themselves that or that <laughs> the public has, but somehow this line, the first family of TikTok, just like won't leave their brand. Obviously, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio are two of the biggest TikTok stars in the world. Charlie is the biggest TikTok star in the world. She has over 150 million followers across her social media platform. She's only 17 years old. Her sister Dixie is 19 and has more than 78 million followers across platforms. So these are huge stars. Mm. I think my complexity around this story and this show 
is very much the conversation we've had about this family before. And that is these are two really young girls who are just being elevated and elevated and elevated and they have no break from the public eye. And I just don't know how this can be good for anyone. Yeah. I don't know how to sugarcoat this because <laughs> I don't have very good or very kind opinions to share about the D'Amelio parents. Like I really, really struggle to even watch them in the trailer. The mother of the D'Amelio girls, Heidi D'Amelio, makes this comment in the trailer that they're just normal kids and they're allowed to have a normal upbringing despite their TikTok fame. And I just fucking reject that. Like you're literally sitting in front of a reality TV camera crew because you are selling their upbringing for money. And yes, of course, money's good for people. And like maybe Charlie and Dixie will be set up for life. In fact, I do think they'll be set up for life. But at what cost? Yeah, it's a really hard one, isn't it? Because I agree with you. I just can't see a world where it can be healthy for two teenagers to have this much scrutiny. I mean, the other thing that you see in this trailer is Charlie getting ready for an event and her hands are shaking Mm. and her older sister Dixie is trying to be like, are you okay? And then sort of the voiceover over that is Dixie saying, Charlie's had a really hard year or two getting used to all of this and I'm paraphrasing. And you look at that and you've got this like 17-year-old girl with her hands shaking, all these cameras around her and I'm just like, God, this can't be healthy. I mean... You might want to make the comparison, say, to the Kardashian family and say, well, those people were thrown into the mix. And I will say, well, at least the three older girls who were the focus of those series were very much into their adulthood Mm. when this was created and could very much make these decisions themselves. Yes, Kendall and Kylie might be a bit of a different story, but I'm just like, given the level of scrutiny on them, it worries me a bit. Yeah, and I think Kendall and Kylie have been quite public with how intrusive being on a reality show that young was for them. I mean, they've both given quotes about how they were actually pretty happy that that series, Keeping Up With The Kardashians, is coming to an end. I don't think any of us can underestimate the mental load that would put on you to have your life documented and aired for public consumption and public criticism, which is the price of this stuff. Yes, you get a paycheck, but the cost of that paycheck is people weigh in on your life. Yeah, 100%. My fourth story, Jeffrey Epstein gave advice to Bill Gates about ending his marriage to Melinda. That is from news.com.au and And it might sound a bit meh and a bit boring because Bill Gates and Melinda Gates are, what, in their 50s or 60s, they've been married for almost 30 years. And yet this marriage breakdown is becoming one of the biggest headlines around the world. Yeah, I think this has absolutely been my story of the week. And I say that in inverted commas, not like the best story of the week, but the story I can't stop returning to. I mean, like the very quick and dramatic unraveling of Bill Gates' image and the way in which Melinda Gates seems to be very much driving this narrative has truly been something to behold. Mm. It feels like, and of course I'm projecting here because I don't know Bill nor do I know Melinda, but it feels very much through the stories that they're trying to feed the press that Melinda has been silenced quite a bit from Bill. She's been patronised by him over the years and now she's finally taking her power back, being like, nah, if we're splitting, the narrative is mine and I'm making sure people know why. Now, in that headline that Mish read, you would have heard the mention of Jeffrey Epstein now. I think this is where this story is starting to get quite dark because we are learning more and more in a couple of weeks since they announced their split. I think the first major report that came out was from the Wall Street Journal, which alleged that Melinda French Gates, and she's now going by Melinda French Gates, had concerns about her husband's dealings with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein and that she first consulted lawyers about a divorce two years ago when the Bill Gates-Jeffrey Epstein relationship was first made public. Now, I remember that relationship being made public. There wasn't a big song and dance about it. Mm, I remember there being, at least for me, I mean, I might read certain publications that only feed 
a certain rhetoric back to me, but certainly the ties between Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein seemed more prominent than those between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein. And maybe that was part and parcel with Donald Trump being president of the United States at the time. That's probably a bigger story. Bill Gates is still one of the most powerful, one of the most famous men around the world. He's the fucking founder of Microsoft. Like, I don't think this was given the amount of weight or the amount of attention it possibly could have been. No, and it feels like it's now getting that attention in the wake of this divorce. So for a bit of context, Jeffrey Epstein, as people might remember, of course, is a pedophile who suicided in prison in 2019. Now, Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein met in person in January 2011, according to the New York Times. This was less than two years after Epstein was first released from jail in 2009, where he served 13 months for prostitution of an underage girl. So Gates and Epstein became friends after he's already a convicted sex offender. I mean, at the time, he had already been accused of assault by 36 women and girls, and yet these two are starting to strike up a friendship. Yeah, the Daily Beast has actually been pretty crucial in this investigation as well. They reported that Melinda actually warned her husband about associating with Jeffrey Epstein as far back as 2013. So reportedly, this relationship was one of the main issues that led to the breakdown of their marriage. The website said that Melinda was furious with her husband, Bill Gates, for meeting with the sex offender and that that was a real turning point in their marriage when it really, really did sour. Now, outside of all this, we've also got allegations published in the New York Times that Bill Gates has been questionable in a workplace setting with women that he's worked with. The New York Times has reported, and again, this is unproven, it's just allegations at this point, that Bill Gates has pursued women romantically while married to Melinda Gates while they've actually been working for him. Yeah. So this piece I'll put in the show notes or I'll send to Annabelle to pop in the show notes because this investigation is really, really interesting. But one example that they give is that in 2006, Bill reportedly attended a presentation by a female Microsoft employee and he was the company's chairman at the time and he left the meeting and immediately emailed the woman to ask her out for dinner, according to two people who are familiar with the exchange. And then he wrote, if this makes you uncomfortable, pretend it never happened. It's not the only example that they give. There's also another story or another allegation of an affair that he had in 2000 where the other player in that affair actually wrote a letter to both Melinda and Bill Gates in the wake of Me Too, I think it was in 2019, also alleging questionable inappropriate behaviour. Six others told the New York Times that he created an at times uncomfortable work environment and I quote, was clumsy in his pursuit of women. It really makes me wonder how this story seemed to be kind of hidden for so long. I mean, yes, you can absolutely say if you wanted to do enough digging, you'd probably find it. But Bill Gates probably hasn't been on my radar properly really ever Mm. until now. So it's like now it's really making proper headlines. And it's incredible how protected he's been. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's very, very difficult to read those Jeffrey Epstein allegations. I mean, any kind of connection to this man, particularly after he served time for prostituting an underage girl, is very, very difficult to stomach. My fifth story, Georgia Love's Bachelorette ex, Courtney Dober, has a new alias. This is from Who magazine. Annabelle, do you remember Courtney Dober? I really liked Courtney. He had those bracelets for kids. Do you remember that? Oh, did he? Yeah, for charity. Did I make that up? I don't know. Do you want me to Google these as we're going? What am I Googling? Courtney Dober child bracelets. Like charity bracelets. Oh, yeah. He had free medical wristbands for Aussie kids. 
See? You <laughs> lovable Courtney Dober. Well, if that doesn't ring a bell with the bracelets, <laughs> he was on Georgia Love season of The Bachelorette in 2016. He made it quite far, made it all the way to episode 10. Little tidbit, little aside, if you'll allow me, Georgia Love is the only Bachelorette in Australia still with her partner. Out of seven How bachelorettes. Lovely. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, not really, not really. Michelle lovely. never gives you the credit that yeah, you deserve. On, give me a little laugh, those, those little puns. I have no respect for puns as jokes. I but, do. You and I both love a pun. So yeah. we'll, we'll just phase her out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave, guys. You guys want to host the last segment? No, it's not that lovely for the last six bachelorettes. Like, we don't have a very good success rate. No, it's lovely for Georgia and Lee. But, no, we don't have a good success rate. But who is surprised? I know I tried to argue that The Bachelor earlier in the show was the biggest reality show we had, but it's fallen over. It has fallen over. Back to the actual story we're talking about today. According to photos obtained by the Daily Mail, Courtney Dober is now taking care of Chris Hemsworth and Elsa Pataki's twins, Sasha and Tristan, on the set of Elsa's new film, Interceptor, while she's filming in New South Wales. So he's the nanny, he's a nanny. of Chris Hemsworth's kids. That's quite what a job. A job. <laughs> I know. It's such a good job. Mind you, the Daily Mail headline referred to him as a manny, which I just feel like is the most like <laughs> dumb, stupid thing. Like a guy can be a nanny. We don't need to call it. If that was the case, wouldn't we call female nannies fannies? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you didn't like pun. Is that even a pun? That's not a pun. I don't know. <laughs> That's not a pun. pun. <laughs> Maybe it was just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> We're confused. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a lot going on here this morning. Go, Courtney. We're in your corner. <laughs> is that all you've got for me? <laughs> That's all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. Just a quick trigger warning before we jump into this next segment. This segment will discuss issues around suicide and may be triggering for some listeners. Is this the end of Chrissy Teigen's career as we know it? This week, reality TV personality Courtney Stodden, who made headlines as a 16-year-old in 2011 after marrying 51-year-old American actor Doug Hutchison, did an interview with The Daily Beast where they spoke of how horrendously they were trolled by Teigen when they were just a teenager. In the interview, Stodden said Teigen would frequently tell them to kill themselves, both publicly and in their DMs. Teigen, someone who has been open about how much trolling, particularly Twitter trolling, has affected her own mental health, has apologised for her actions, but it very much feels a little bit too little too late. With many feeling this may be a story too unforgivable for her career to continue as it's going. Mish, there is a lot to unpack here, but shall we start with a little background on Courtney Stodden? Yeah, we shall. And if anyone was curious about that introduction. Courtney Stodden is actually non-binary, so their pronouns are they, them, which is why we'll be using those pronouns throughout this episode. So Courtney Stodden first stepped into the celebrity scene when they married 51-year-old actor Doug Hutchison in 2011. Very interestingly, Courtney was only 16 when they got married, and yet this made them famous for being a laughing stock or a joke or someone to be mocked almost. The reason Courtney Stodden was so mercilessly trolled online was for their appearance, the way they were presenting to the world, but also for the partner that they had married, a much older man. It's very interesting that we took aim at Courtney instead of taking aim at their partner. It was a bizarre news story that today we would not handle in the way that we did 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So now that Courtney and Doug have split, Courtney has done an interview with the Daily Beast and i got to say the Daily Beast is doing some heavy lifting in this yeah. episode today. I don't think we've ever quoted the Daily Beast in Shameless but This welcome. episode of Shameless is made possible by, by the Daily Beast. Daily Beast. <laughs> so Courtney did an interview with the Daily Beast and kind of 
looked back retrospectively at their time in the public eye, particularly their foray into the public eye as a 16-year-old, and said that they were trolled horrendously by many celebrities, most notably Chrissy Teigen. Courtney is now 26 and they told the publication Chrissy wouldn't just publicly tweet about wanting me to take a dirt nap but would privately DM me and tell me to kill myself. Things like, I can't wait for you to die. Yeah, they continued, as I'm forming, I'm being mocked, overtly sexualized, abused, not only in my home but internationally and it really did a number on my self-confidence and my sense of worthiness, which I struggle with today. I experienced so much harassment and bullying from Chrissy when I was just 16 years old, just 17 years old, just 18 years old at a time when I was being abused. It's so damaging when you have somebody like Chrissy Teigen bullying children. Chrissy Teigen was 26 years old when she was writing these tweets back in 2012 and 2013. And I cannot believe that someone who has been so vocal about bullying on social media platforms and has even taken herself off Twitter recently because she said it was so overwhelming and her mental health was struggling so badly, has done this to people. How has Chrissy Teigen crafted this public persona at the same time as bullying teenagers and telling them they should die. Chrissy Teigen has been a troll. Yeah, 100%. Her actual quotes at the time when she left Twitter in March and she did actually return 23 days later were the fact that Twitter no longer served her as positively as it served her negatively and I think that's the right time to call something. She went on to say, for years I've taken so many small two-follow account punches that at this point I am honestly deeply bruised. That line, I've taken so many small two-follower account punches, really stands out in the wake of this story because, mm. yes, no one's coming onto this mic at all and ever going to condone trolling in any form. But Chrissy's sitting here being like, I was really mentally affected by two-follower account punches. And yet you've got Courtney Stodden here, who was 16 at the time, who had a big celebrity in the name of Chrissy Teigen. And yes, she wasn't as famous as she is now, but she certainly had a following saying that they should kill themselves, both Mm. in DMs and on tweets. Like I think... It's one thing to have a conversation and I think we've done so before about, okay, well, how much are you responsible for who you were 10 years ago? And I think there's a real spectrum of bad behaviour, but this has to be at the end of that spectrum. Like this has to be. I can't imagine at any age it being appropriate to tell anyone, particularly a teenager, that they shouldn't be alive. To tell someone to die and to tell someone that they should kill themselves is like so beyond the line of what's acceptable or what's moral behaviour that it's completely baffling to my mind, particularly when people feel like they know who Chrissy Teigen is. Like she has been part of the celebrity space for so long. She's had television shows, cookware lines. She's so massive on social media. We've done episodes on her calling her the ultimate cool girl and how much she's loved and adored and how funny she is and how well she comes across. I am so just perplexed that this level of behaviour was something that she could walk by at any age. I would feel disgusted by this if Chrissy Teigen was a teenager when she was sending this. She was sending this when she was your and my age now. Yeah, like, I'm how 26 can now. anyone at 26 
think that that is remotely okay. I am trying to get my emotions into words, as is, I guess, her whole job description. (laughs) I think I felt really confused when this story first broke because it felt almost unbelievable to me and not in a sense that I didn't believe what Courtney Stodden was saying, the opposite. I was just like, how can you possibly argue for so many years against trolling? How can you possibly talk at such length about how much it's affected you and have this in your history Mm. and know that you've done this to Courtney. And to be honest, not just Courtney, as we've found over the last week, she also had horrendously trolled former 16 and pregnant star Farah Abraham, a whore, and added in the same tweet to her, everyone hates you. Yeah. So Chrissy has admitted that she did these things. She apologised on her Twitter account and this was her statement in full. I am ashamed and completely embarrassed at my behaviour, but that is nothing compared to how I make Courtney feel. I have worked so hard to give you guys joy and be beloved and the feeling of letting you down is nearly unbearable, truly. These are not my only mistakes and surely they won't be my last as hard as I try, but God, I will try. I have tried to connect with Courtney privately, but since I publicly fueled all of this, I also want to publicly apologize. I am so sorry, Courtney. I hope you can heal now knowing how deeply sorry I am. And I am sorry I let you guys down. I will forever work on being better than I was 10 years ago, one year ago, six months ago. Now, as if all of this wasn't bad enough, The claim from Chrissy that she reached out to Courtney and apologised, according to Courtney, is false. Courtney responded to this statement on their own Instagram and wrote, I have never heard from her or her camp in private. In fact, she blocked me on Twitter. All of me wants to believe that this is a sincere apology, but it feels like a public attempt to save her partnerships with Target and other brands who are realising her wokeness is a broken record. With that statement, they shared a screenshot proving that Chrissy Teigen had blocked Courtney. Yeah, so this has not been without consequence for Chrissy Teigen and I think rightly so. Her kitchenware line has been dropped from US retailers including Macy's and Target. It will be very interesting to see what can come of her career after this. I mean, she's in a very high-profile family. She's got a very high-profile career. I can't imagine her just like fading from public consciousness but I wonder and think that it will be very hard for her to continue this kind of foodie entrepreneur career that she's creating at the moment because I think it's one thing to say, well, we've all grown up on the internet and none of us really understood when we were on the internet 10 years ago the permanency of the things that we were saying. But as we said before, it's like you're not just saying something dumb like your hair looks stupid. You're encouraging someone to die and it's like that was never okay to say whether you knew the implications of the internet or not. Like time is almost irrelevant here. No, it's completely irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. I think as well it would be foolish of us to pretend that these words online don't count for anything, don't matter, adjust that. Like We know that people, when they're encouraged to suicide online, have in fact gone and ended their lives. So there's not a world for me where we can overstate just how dark and just how awful this behaviour from Chrissy Teigen is. And I don't know how you come back from something like this. It also makes me think a lot about John Legend. Like finding this kind of stuff out about your partner, if he didn't know, What does that do? Yeah, it's really interesting because I do wonder, part of the legend and Tegan Brand is each other, right? Like we spoke about, I think it was last year or the year before, that incredibly high profile shoot they did for Vanity Fair talking about how they were one of the most loved couples in the world. And it's like, yeah, John Legend is a great singer. But to be honest, most people now know him as 
her husband and mm. likewise like most people know Chrissy Teigen as his wife and I think it's like what does this do for that family brand that they've really leveraged over the last couple of years like mm. it has to be damaging I mean what do you think is going to happen from here I think the pragmatic side of me thinks Chrissy Teigen will come out and do some series on trolling I don't know, work with psychologists to put up some YouTube series or documentary about like unraveling why trolls are trolls and how to recover from trolling. If I was a PR manager and putting my PR yeah. manager hat on, that would be the move that she makes next. Similar to when Logan Paul or Jake Paul were filmed in a suicide forest and then did that massive PR spin of doing a whole series about suicide and mental illness. Like I feel like that is the obvious route that Chrissy Teigen would probably take to rehabilitate her public image. I just feel like when you've told people that you've reached out to Courtney Stodden and Courtney Stodden denies that fact, it's not hard to reach out to someone. It's not hard to contact someone on the internet at all. Like it's one of the easiest things to do ever to send someone a DM. I just wonder like are you actually sorry if you can't even take the 30 seconds out of your day to reach out to someone and actually express that remorse to them personally? Annabelle, you might have heard some of this stuff for the first time. How do you feel about it? Were you a Chrissy Teigen fan and how does this make you feel about her now? I was a Chrissy Teigen fan and to be brutally honest, it's like completely ruined my perspective on the kind of person that she is. It's kind of tainted her humour, like the light that she would bring to public consciousness and made it all kind of seem fake, like she was kind of a fraud which is maybe harsh, but I also think not at all. Well, no, I don't think so. And I think I think you're right when you say her brand of humour is very specific. Like it's quite cutting in many ways and mm. witty. And it's like, oh, how much was that in jest or how much of that was now actually real? Like what part of you actually believed some of maybe the particularly harsh things that you were saying? I think she needs time out of the public eye right now. Like I think she needs to actually delete her social media profiles and actually take some time out because I I just don't think it's good for anyone. No, I don't think it's good for her and I don't think it's good for her followers right now. And it's particularly not good for people like Courtney Stodden. Yeah. Hey, I think that is all we've got time for today. I think it is. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I cannot wait to hear your feedback on these segments and where you personally stand. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast to participate in Your Safe Friday. Zara, what else can they do? They can, uh, I don't know, follow us on Spotify (laughs) as always or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review if you are feeling particularly generous. Annabelle Lee, anything else to add? (laughs) Nah. Guys, we'll be back in your ears on Monday. Our next Scandal series is on Natalie Wood. If you're not familiar with that name, your parents probably will be. And let me tell you, I had no idea about this story before we researched it. It is one of the most fascinating celebrity stories in history. Yeah, my mum actually called me the other day and said, look, I enjoyed Lara Bingle, I enjoyed Kim Kardashian, but I am looking forward to this one the most because it was very much their era. So I am looking forward to telling that story. As am I. Guys, we'll be back in your ears on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay Tell your well. loved ones you love them. Be good. Drink water. Bye. <laughs> just, just bye. Bye. <laughs> Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If 
that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.